0: Welcome to Marksman, a program for men who have been marked by Christ and who are aiming their lives at Christ-likeness. I'm Mark Spellman, your host, and want to welcome all you men to this program, men young and old, and uh, just so glad you've joined us today and um, looking forward to getting back into our study as we've been digging into the book of Hebrews chapter 11, God's Hall of Fame. (laughs) Amen. We have a lot of interesting Hall of Fames, different uh, fields, different uh, sports. But I'm telling you, what we're digging into is God's Hall of Fame. And we're looking in Hebrews 11, where he highlights and he commends. These men, and of course there, there are some women mentioned in here, but we're of course just focusing you know, here on marksmen at the men and the lives they lived and how God commended them and why God commended them. And obviously he held their lives up for a reason saying, go back, study these lives, learn about these lives, because truly it was these men's lives, it was these Old Testament patriarchs and prophets that were the scriptures where Jesus himself found his identity, where his life became the Word made flesh. And he found his identity, his mission in life as our Redeemer, as our Savior, as the Messiah, as our King and Lord. He found his identity in the scriptures through these Old Testament patriarchs, and the prophets and the lives that they lived. And so we're picking up today in Hebrews chapter 11. We have studied about Abel and Enoch. We've studied about Noah and Abraham, spent about five episodes on Abraham, and then kicked off last week with uh, Isaac. Now, we didn't really get much into the study. We talked about the power of the blessing because when we talk about these next two generations Isaac and Jacob the thing that is the common theme that I really feel the Holy Spirit wants to highlight in our conversation is the power of the blessing so I want you to say that with me the power of the blessing because you're going to find out that in the life of Isaac and in the life of Jacob we There's going to be some pain. There's going to be some struggle. There's going to be some setback. There's going to be some sidesteps. There's going to be some questions. There's going to be some sleepless nights. There's going to be some struggle. Yet, God's plan, He holds these men up. And He's even known by Scripture as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So it doesn't mean their lives are perfect. But it does mean our God is perfect, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, is perfect. And Jesus is the man's man. And so let's get into Hebrews chapter 11. Let's read again verse 20, our foundation. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. So he spoke words. And so let's get right into Genesis chapter 4 today. And we're just going to kind of begin following through these next few chapters the life of Isaac. Because now Isaac was the miracle child, but now Isaac is you know nearly 40 years old, and uh, he's um, going to need a wife. <laughs> and so let's just pick up the story, Genesis chapter 24. Abraham was old and well stricken in years, this is verse 1, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Abraham was blessed. He was blessed in all things all things and we're not just talking all spiritual things he he was a wealthy influential man we read about it in previous chapters he had so many armed employees that he was even to he was even going in and conquering the kings of certain regions because of his own household army i mean this man abraham is blessed and so verse 2, Abraham said unto his eldest servant in his house, who ruled over all that he had, his, we call it his chief of staff, he says, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord. And it's going to be words. You're going to see this again. I'm going to make you swear. I'm going to make you speak words. I'm going to make you promise. I'm going to make you vow. He said, I'm going to make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you shall not take a wife unto my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. So I'm in the region of Canaan. I'm in this Canaan land, we might say. And I'm among ungodly people. You know, I'm in the world, we would say. But don't get me a wife from the world. That's kind of what he's saying. Don't get me a wife for my son from among these people, but you shall go unto my country, to my kindred. This is verse four Um, to my country, to my kindred, to take a wife unto my son Isaac. So, you know, Abraham's getting old, and uh, you'll see here in just a minute that Abraham, I think he lives to like 165 years of age. So, you know, he... He's up in years, and he's concerned about the the son, the wife that his son has, Isaac. I mean, he, he believed God his whole life to get this son. He offered his son by faith on the Mount Moriah in Genesis 22, and thank God he didn't have to kill him. He didn't have to put him on fire as a burnt offering. The ram was caught in the thicket, and God said, I will provide a lamb. And so now he has went on in years, and Isaac has grown up, and it's time for him to get married. And so um, he made his chief of staff promise he wouldn't go you know, to the ungodly ones to get his wife for his son. And so, um, verse 7, here's what he goes on to say, "...the Lord God of heaven which took me out of my father's house and from the land of my kindred, in which which he spoke unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land, and he shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from there." So now Abraham makes his chief of staff grab the bottom of his thigh, makes him swear by the God of heaven, and makes him swear by the God of the earth. In other words, with words, he's going to make a vow. He said, because if I die and I'm gone, I want to know that my son will not be married to a woman of the, the region of Canaan, but out of my own house, out of my own kindred, my own people, will you die get him a wife. So he's making him swear and promise. And then he tells his servant, I'm going to assign an angel. Thank God for angels. How many of you men are thankful for angels that we have heaven's secret service? You know, I have a family member who's in the secret service. I think that's kind of cool. But, you know, what's even more cool is I have heaven's Secret service. I have angels. The Bible says that he gives his angels charge over us. The Bible says that we, as heirs of salvation, have angels that minister to us and for us. So thank God. Angel uh, Abraham knew about angels. We need to know about angels. So angels are going with his chief of staff, And so uh, he goes into the region, just kind of cutting to the chase, move on over to chapter, uh, in chapter 24, go to verse 26 with me. He finds this woman, Rebecca, and he finds her. He he doesn't really know where he is. He's in Padam, Iran, and he, you know, he kind of makes a Fleece with the Lord and said, You know, if this is the one, make sure she does this and she does this, and I'll know that's the one. Well, the very next woman that walks up to the well not only gets a, a bucket for her to drink, but offers to water him and all his livestock. And so, you know, this chief of staff realized, Okay, I found the one. And so her name is Rebecca. And so now, verse 26, this has all come to pass. And he says, The man bowed down his head, and he worshiped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not left destitute my master of his mercy and of his truth. And I being in the way, the Lord has now led me to the house of my master's brethren. So by faith he went on this journey. And angels were with him on his journey, and now he's found this woman, Rebekah, and he knows he's found someone from his father's house. And he had vowed to Abraham, he swore by God of heaven and the God of the earth, that he would find a wife for Abraham's son, Isaac. So um, let's jump over to verse 34, because what happens is he goes with Rebekah home, and Rebekah has her parents there but also because this guy comes up later her brother Laban Re- Rebecca's brother Laban is also present at this uh, family gathering where uh Isaac I'm sorry Abraham's uh, chief of staff has come and he has brought a lot of wealth a lot of things with him because you know he's going to he's going to lay down some serious money we might say to let whoever know that my master is worthy of your daughter. And so when he comes, so he here he is, introducing himself, so to speak. Now we're in Genesis 24, 34, verse 34. And he said, I am Abraham's servant, and the Lord has blessed my master greatly. And he has become great. And he has given him many flocks and herds and silver and gold. He has men servants and maid servants. He has camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, she bare a son to my master when she was old. And unto him hath he given all that he has. So he describes about how wealthy his master is, Abraham. And he describes how he's on this mission to find a wife for his only son, a son in whom he has left his entire inheritance to. And he said, verse 37, And my master, that's Abraham, made me swear that you would not take a wife to my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land he was dwelling. But you shall go into my father's house, and unto my kindred, and take a wife unto my son." And so, here he is. He's in Rebecca's house. Her parents are there. Her brother, Laban, is there. And so, they go through the meal, and they realize how God is in this. And the the witness is in all their hearts. They all have peace about it. And so, the parents give the blessing. Even Laban the brother I'm you know what I know what that's like because when I went home to uh, propose you know to my wife um, I remember not only did I want to get <laughs> her parents' blessing particularly her father's blessing but she had a big brother only brother but and it was an older brother his name was Timothy I wanted to get Timothy's blessing too. And uh, so I, I kind of know what that's like. So he's, he's not only getting the blessing of the parents and of Rebecca's father, but he's also there and Laban is present. And Laban comes into the picture later in a huge and a significant way. So here we go. Jump down to verse 51. So they're going to release Rebecca to Isaac. And he's going to go with the the servant of Abraham, the chief of staff. And uh, so here's verse 51. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her, go, and let her be my your master's son's wife as the Lord has spoken. So they've realized God is in this. They released their daughter to this man that they just met. I mean, this is so supernatural. They released this daughter to this man they just met who's a servant like the chief of staff of a very wealthy man whom they've not met. They just know his name. His name's Abraham. He lives in the land of Canaan. He's a wealthy man. He's about to die. His son has received all his inheritance, and his son needs a wife, and now the servant's here to get the wife. And so uh, they're going to release Rebekah. And so as the Lord has spoken, verse 52, And it came to pass, When Abraham's servant heard these words, again, he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Isn't it interesting that not only Abraham's son, Isaac, but his faith is in his employees? So maybe you're a a business owner. Maybe you're a person who has a company or you're starting a company. Realize that when God made covenant with Abraham, Abraham not only made believers out of his household Genesis 18:19 not only did he make believers out of his household but he made believers out of those who worked in his house servants employees we might say who worked for the family because he was an extremely wealthy man he had when you consider all the different kinds of livestock the cattle the sheep the camels the donkeys, all the different herds. Each one of those herds are essentially like a different business. So he had multiple businesses that, that he was running. And so he made believers out of even those who worked for him. And here his chief of staff, number one, each time God came through, like it was over in verse 27, he bowed his head down and worshipped. And now in verse 52 of Genesis 24, he's bowing his head, and he's worshipping. And he bowed down to the earth, and he was basically thanking God that God had prospered his journey, that the angel Abraham said would be with him. Clearly that angel had been present to help him find Rebecca, and to give him favor with Rebekah's father and mother and brother. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and all kinds of raiment, and he gave them to Rebekah. I mean, he blessed her. He loaded her down, and he gave also to her brother. So Laban got blessed, and to her mother, precious things. So when this servant came, he came bearing gifts. So we see how how generous Abraham was and how generous Isaac was, how the family was a generous, they weren't just wealthy, they were generous with their wealth. And that was being communicated to the household of Rebekah. And so verse 53, she went with them so now she's riding home on this big caravan. Let's jump to verse 63. Now we're in verse 63 of Genesis 24. She's going to come over the hill. She's going to see Isaac. Isaac's going to see her. Let's, let's read about it. Verse 63, and Isaac went out to, the, uh, to meditate in the field at evening tide. Now think about that. Where did he learn a practice like that? Going out at sundown when the sun's getting ready to set and just going out to meditate going out to just spend time with God, going out to worship God. I've, You know, recently, you know, we're, we're living in Poplar Bluff, and we're, we're blessed to be on uh, Mariah Ranch, and uh, the southeast Missouri area is just a, a beautiful part of the country. You know, just to the west, it, it turns into the Ozark Hills, and just to the east is the flatlands that go to the Mississippi, where all the farmland is. And so we just have farmland everywhere. We got forestry, we got rolling hills. It's just beautiful, and we're far enough out that when I go out at night and I look up at the stars, it's just a it's just a gift. I'm so thankful to just look up at a sky full of stars on a clear night, and just. Talk to God, the God who fathered me and fathered you, the God of our, our, the father of our spirit, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and Jesus, and just commune with him. And see, that's what Isaac was doing here. And where did Isaac learn to live that way? And because we say it this way at Family Mission, children learn what they live, you know, uh, it's true both of my sons Samuel and Daniel they're they're followers of Christ and and you know for years they just followed mom and dad they were at church because mom and dad said you're going to be at church you know we go to church on sundays we go to church on wednesdays you know they were with us as we lived out our faith as we walked out our faith but there did have to come a time where they had to come to faith in Jesus you know they just don't inherit our faith Now, I can give them a lot of reasons to believe. They can watch my conduct. They can watch how I live out my faith with my wife and and with my, you know, I was a pastor for 21 years. My wife and I pastored a church up in the Kansas City area. So, you know, they watched us as pastors and and we always told them. And not only did we tell them, we, we did it. I said, you're the most important two people I'm pastoring right here. You're the most important members of my congregation. I love my congregation. I love every family in our congregation, but I'm not going to work to serve them more than I serve my own two sons. I'm going to make sure that my sons and my wife are the most important people that my faith is pastoring. And so, um, you know, we endeavored to give them every reason to believe, but there had to come a point where they owned it. Where, where they came to faith, where Holy Spirit convicted them and convinced them that they were sinners and that they were lost, and not that they were just this piece of trash, but they were worth redeeming. They were worth the life and blood of Jesus. And that they had to come to faith in that. They had to own that. And, and when they did, then they had the, the back story of their mom and I and how we lived our faith. They, they saw our prayer life. They saw that we didn't just sing at church, we sang at home. They saw that we just didn't dance and rejoice at church, we danced and rejoiced at home. They saw that we just didn't pray in tongues at church, we prayed in tongues at home. It wasn't just praying over the meal, that wasn't the only time we prayed. It wasn't just at bedtime, that wasn't the only time we prayed. It, you know, we worshiped at home. We we put on music, we put on CDs and in more recent times we put on Spotify and YouTube and and we have worship time at home and they've been able to see that that it wasn't just something we went to and did on Sunday or whatever whatever day you know a church gathers. And so here's Isaac doing this is Genesis 24:63. Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the evening tide and lifted up his eyes and saw and behold the camels were coming. Oh, glory to God. Somebody say, the camels are coming. Well, for him, what did that mean? My wife is coming. <laughs> he knew the servant left on a journey. He hadn't been back for many, many days. And when he saw those camels on the horizon, he knew his wife was on the horizon. The camels were coming and he'd just been out there worshiping God waiting on the Lord because again he'd probably learned that practice as a young boy growing up with his father Abraham and his mom Sarah just the faith that they live. Because Genesis eighteen nineteen confirms this. God knew Abraham that he would command his household that they keep the way of the Lord, that they do justice and they do righteousness so that the promise he made him could be brought to pass. So Genesis eighteen nineteen confirms what I'm telling you, that they gave an example to their son, Isaac. And so now Isaac's out worshiping at the evening time. And lo, verse 64, Rebecca lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she jumped off the camel. King James says she lighted off the camel. (laughs) Oh, boy, she went a-running. And she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field out to meet us? And the servant said, It is my master. This was Isaac. Therefore she took a veil and she covered herself. Because, you know, custom. She covered herself with a veil. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. So he got the whole story spelled out. And verse 67, and Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So now his mom and dad are gone. They went home to be with their fathers. We would say it today, they've gone home to heaven. And so he was comforted by the wife that he just had received. So talk about perfect timing. So I just want to speak a prophetic word to you men. The camels are coming. The camels are coming. Some of you may be believing God for a spouse. I mean, literally like this. Let me just tell you, the camels are coming. (laughs) But that can also mean a lot of other things regarding God's promise to you as men. The camels are coming. Just keep worshiping God. Just keep your eyes on heaven just keep your eyes on your father who is in heaven and hallowed be his name his kingdom come his will be done on earth in your life in Jesus name the camels are coming and there's there's perfect timing in all these things and so here he was comforted so on down to verse 25 um, well, actually, Abraham hasn't died yet. Sarah passed. That's the mother of Isaac. She passed. And, of course, Rebecca comforted him at that point. So now, verse 1 of chapter 25, then again, Abraham took some other wives, and he had some more children with some other women after the death of Sarah. And then verse 5, but Abraham, this is Genesis 25, 5, but Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac, just like you know the servant had promised to Rebekah's brother and parents. Isaac's receiving the full inheritance. He's getting everything his his father Abraham had. So verse 5, that's confirmed. He does that. And so then uh, verse 8, at 165 years of age, verse 8, Genesis 25, Abraham gave up the ghost. He died in a good old age. That just simply means his spirit left his body. And that's all that happens in death. Your spirit, just like you pull your hand out of a glove, your spirit just slips out of your body. And that's what happened. He gave up the ghost. His spirit slipped out of his body. It was in a good old age, an old man full of years, and he was gathered unto his people. That's a familiar phrase used in the Old Testament. So let's jump over now to, we're in chapter 25, let's go to chapter 25 and verse 20. So now Isaac has a wife, Isaac has a wife and now he's 40 years old when he took Rebekah, that's what it says in verse 20, Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to be his wife, the daughter of Bethuel and Syrian of Padamaron, and the sister of Laban the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because his wife was actually barren. Does that sound familiar? I mean, here it is trying to repeat itself that Sarah was barren and Abraham and Sarah had to believe God, and now Isaac's found a wife, Rebekah, and she's barren, so he begins to pray. And it says the Lord and uh, he entreated the Lord and the Lord was entreated of him and Rebekah his wife conceived. Praise God praise God. It matters. We need to pray, men. If our wives are struggling, we need to pray for them. If people we know are children, we need to pray. God hears our prayers. God hears our intercessions. God hears our supplications. Pray the Word. Speak the Word. Pray in the Spirit when you don't know what to pray. Romans 8, 26, we can pray in the Holy Ghost, and we pray that perfect prayer. I love how it says, he that prays in an unknown tongue prays not unto man but unto God. And then Romans chapter 8, it talks about when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you pray according to the will of God. And actually, the literal Greek means you pray according to God. You pray according to God when you pray in other tongues. So, pray in other tongues, man. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit right now, and you and you want to be, you want to be able to pray in other tongues. I just right now I release the anointing of the Holy Ghost to come upon you for every heart that desires to speak in other tongues and to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. Let the Holy Ghost come upon you now. In Jesus' name, receive the Holy Ghost. Receive. Let that river in your belly come forth. Let that dam break. Let that river flow. Let rivers of life come out of your belly and pray with me. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God so we can pray in English. We can pray the Word. We can prophesy the Word. We can pray in other tongues. But we need to be praying over our spouses. We need to be praying over our homes and our families. So here he prayed for her. She conceived. And notice, let's get into the story. We're back in Genesis 25, verse now 22. And it says, and the children struggled together when they were like always fighting in the womb. (laughs) And she said, This is now Rebecca. She's saying, If it be so, why am why am I thus? And she went, she, Rebecca, went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, reason this fighting was going on in her belly, in her womb. Here's what the Lord said to Rebecca Two nations are in your womb. Two manners of people shall be separated from your bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. The elder shall serve the younger. It's what the Lord told Rebecca, And when her days were, were delivered, were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first one came out red. He was all over, very hairy, and they called his name Esau. And after them him came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel. He grabbed his heel. And his name was called Jacob, supplanter, uh, which means supplanter. And Isaac was there threescore years old when she bare them. So he was forty when he got married, and he was sixty. So he and Rebecca had been married 20 years when they had these children, and she had twins. But she got a word from the Lord that there's two nations in you, two manner of people in you, and the elder's going to serve the younger. And actually, the younger, when he came out, he had his hands on the heel of his brother. And the boys grew, verse 27, and Esau was a cunning hunter and a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau, that's his firstborn, the oldest, because he did eat of his venison. He liked that deer meat. (laughs) He liked that deer meat, so he loved Esau because Esau brought home that good meat that he enjoyed. But Rebekah, she loved Jacob because why? Well, she's got this word from the Lord that the younger uh, is actually going to rule over the elder. And interestingly enough, you read verse 29 to 34, what happens next is Esau, who is this hunter, he comes in one day, he's so famished, he's so hungry, he's so weak, he he sees his brother who's in the kitchen cooking, <laughs> making his his pottage or stew of some sort, and he asks for him something to eat. Well, Jacob, this little cunning guy, goes, hey, yeah, I'll give you a bowl of stew, but Give me, sell me, rather, your birthright. Whoa, that escalated quickly. Jacob said, what? Sell me your birthright? I'll give you some stew if you sell me your birthright. That's verse 31 of Genesis 25. Sell me this day your birthright. And Esau said, behold, I'm at a point to die. What good is this birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me this day. So how did he sell it? He sold it with words. He sold his birthright by swearing to Jacob that day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. So, again, the power of the blessing, the power of words. Words contain life, or words contain death. Words contain blessing, or words contain Cursing. And so here Jacob today, he tricked his brother, he took advantage of his weakness and made him sell through swearing to him his birthright. And so then Jacob gave Esau some bread and pottage and lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. He now when the word in the Bible says he despised it. It means he lightly esteemed it. That's what the word despised. He just he didn't give it any value because he concluded I'm about to die. What good's my birthright if I die? So he said, sure, take it. So he lightly esteemed his birthright. Now hold your place. That's the end of chapter 25. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 12 because this event is Is referenced in Hebrews chapter 12. Let's pick it up here in verse 14, Hebrews 12, 14. Here's what it says it says, Follow after peace with all men and holiness without which no man will see the Lord, looking diligently lest any man fail or come short of the grace of God. Fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, thereby many be defiled. Lest there be a fornicator or a profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of meat, one meal, for one meal, just as the hunger of his flesh, he sold his birthright. It's important to fast, men. It's important to keep our flesh in check. Because our flesh can get us in trouble. Our flesh can make us do hasty things. Our flesh can make us do foolish things. Our flesh can completely cloud our ability to reason and to think wisely. I mean, you think about what Esau just gave away because of his hunger. Just of a hunger in his belly. He sold his birthright. He despised his birthright. He lightly esteemed the blessing. And he just gave it to Jacob. Just gave it to him. Swore it back to him. Said, I'll give it to you. It's not mine. And that was for one meal. And you know, verse 17, this is Hebrews twelve seventeen. you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. And he found no place of repentance even though he sought it carefully with tears. Whew, this is this is very tragic. And I, you know, I know our, our time's about up here, and I want us to pray together because this is sobering stuff, and I, I realize it's sobering, but you know, as men, we gotta be willing to talk about tough issues. We've got to be willing to talk about tough things, and and our flesh can get us in trouble. Our flesh can get us in trouble sexually. Our flesh can get us in trouble financially. Our flesh can get us in trouble in our marriages and let strife in. Our flesh can get us in trouble in a lot of different ways. Our flesh can get us in trouble— in our in our churches, I mean, we can just we can screw things up in the local church. Just getting into the flesh, we can we can bring strife into the church. We can bring division into the church just by getting in the flesh. Our flesh has the potential to to get us all into trouble, and so let's learn from this. And I want to say thank you, Jesus, for your blood, because First John one nine says if we confess our faults. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is forgiveness in the blood of Jesus. There is cleansing in the blood of Jesus. But we need to be honest with the Lord. We can't do like they did in the book of Genesis, just try to run and hide and blame and cover. No, we've got to get real. We've got to be willing to be naked and not ashamed knowing that we have a Redeemer who loved us, laid his life down to save us, a Father who sent him, and a Holy Spirit who is present to lead us and guide us into truth and into repentance. Now, Esau didn't find repentance, but you and I can. We have the Holy Ghost. We have the blood of Jesus. But we need to take the sober lesson that we can learn from this story, Jacob and Esau, and this blessing, this birthright, And this story isn't over. We're going to pick it up in our very next episode. Hopefully, you'll you'll join back with us again on Marksman. We'll pick up the conversation. But right now, I just want to pray with you as we close. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my brothers. And I thank you for the redeeming and cleansing blood of Jesus. Thank you that you help us to be honest with ourselves. Thank you that you help us to be honest with our spouses and with our children. Thank you that you help us to be honest with you. You are high priest with whom we have to do. All things are naked and open before you. Nothing's hidden from you. Help us to be honest and know that you want to teach us. And even if you correct us, it's because you want to bring us back to the place you prepared for us that any correction that comes into our life is actually exhorting us, it's actually lifting us up, it's actually bringing us back to the place that you prepared for us. So I just thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading and guiding every heart here today, leading them into truth, the truth of who they really are. And out of the pain and out of the hurt, and out of the frustration, out of the disappointment, out of the mistakes, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you, Heavenly Father. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, my goodness. Our time has gotten away from us again. But join us again. I think we'll be able to wrap up with Isaac leading into Jacob uh, our next time. But we're talking about the power of of a blessing. We're talking about the power of our words. And so you don't want to miss the next episode of Marksman. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.